Good morning, everyone. Welcome. I'm Robbie Marcus, the MedTech Analyst at JP Morgan. Really excited to have our next session, Boston Scientific. I'm going to introduce the uh, CEO, Mike Mahoney, to come up and do a presentation, and then we'll turn to Q&A. Mike? Good morning, everyone. Hey, Robbie. JP Morgan, Wednesday, you're hanging in there. Uh, first of all, it's uh, such an honor <clears throat> for me to help lead uh, Boston Scientific. I've been with the company for 10 years now, and it's, uh, it's just real an honor and a pleasure to work with the team. I appreciate the shareholders that are in attendance, and uh, hopefully we're going to give you a quick summary of uh, the company in about 20 minutes here, and you'll find the company is as exciting as I do. Here are our safe harbors, our regulatory disclaimers, and our financial disclaimers. You know, when it comes to <clears throat> the company, you have so many healthcare companies uh, talking about their businesses here, and you see a lot of slides like this. Um, I think what's great about the company is every year we do modify our strategies a bit, depending on the market, depend on, strat modify our uh, operating plans. We build new capabilities, but these uh, values that we hold really are don't, don't change across the company in the 130 countries that we're in. And really advancing science for life is what motivates our employees and fires them up every day to drive differentiated performance as well as helping patients. So we keep this uh, front and center with our employees. You know, in terms of what to expect from Boston Scientific, this is uh, at minimum what we expect from ourselves uh, in the company. And we'll show some slides here to continue to drive differentiated growth uh, versus our peer group uh, through our portfolio innovation, globalization of the company, uh, commercial excellence, digital capabilities, uh, and basically new capabilities, and really our relentless focus on getting better and our relentless focus on talent and depth of talent across the globe. Uh, continued execution of our category leadership strategy, putting ourselves in faster growing markets. You're going to see a slide on that, fueled by our internal R&D as well as our uh, active M&A uh, capabilities. Strong commitment to corporate responsibility is not a new thing for the company. Uh, it's really always been a focus of, of Boston Scientific. And importantly for shareholders, uh, consistent, differentiated financial performance. Not just consistent, but consistent, differentiated uh, financial performance. Revenue growth at the high end of our peer group, uh, 50 basis points of adjusted operating margin expansion, double-digit adjusted EPS growth, and strong free cash flow. You know, I think it is important, <laughs> it gives me as a father, uh, some of the actions in the past uh, give more credibility to what you do in the future. And we have a very exciting future of the company, and it's embedded by uh, the, the consistent performance that we've delivered uh, over many years. Really proud of this. Uh, back in the early days, uh, 2011 through 2013, we were a negative 1% growing uh, company over those three years. And what you see is as their portfolio and our capabilities evolved, We've enhanced our organic CAGR consistently uh, over this 11-year period. Uh, in 2021, we grew, you know, a big number, 20% versus 20, which is impacted by COVID, 6% organic over 19. And this year, we guided to approximately 9% organic growth for full year 22, which we'll give an update on the earnings call in February. Also, importantly, uh, something we're highly focused on is improving just operating margins. So we were roughly around 18, 9%, 20, uh, actually lower than that in 20, 2012. But 2019, call it 19%. Uh, Pre-COVID levels, we reached 26%. We had a COVID year of 20, as well as 2021. And we guided this year to getting back to pre-COVID level operating income margin 
of approximately 26%, again, which we'll update at our February uh, earnings call. And then you'll see uh, our focus on improving our operating margin 50 basis points going forward. So our expectations that we would exceed our operating margin of 2019 uh, in, the future, in the near future in 23. With adjusted EPS, similar a goal of double-digit adjusted EPS growth. Importantly, this year we guided to 171 and 174. That also includes a six-cent impact from the R&D amortization uh, policy that was put in place, uh, which is a bit of a one-timer, which we will annualize in 2023. So that performance is terrific. This is the slide I'm most proud of, uh, besides the people in the company. Every company wants to improve their weighted average market growth rate. It's not easy to do unless you're a startup. Uh, so we're not a startup. And uh, years ago, uh, we were less than a $7 billion revenue company in markets that grew negative 1%. And over this uh, kind of many years here, every quarter, every year, we focused, and this can't be done overnight, we focused on improving our weighted average market growth rate through our organic R&D, where we spend our money, what projects we take on, how we drive our remote cap or global capabilities in our core business for sustaining engineering, uh, to drive lower cost R&D, focus our higher cost R&D on, on fast growing markets, a lot of tuck in M&A. And I'm really proud to say this year in 2022, the market, weighted average market growth rates of the markets we compete in are 6%, approximately 6% coming from negative one, uh, approximately $13 billion in revenue this year with big expectations uh, in our LRP. And we expect in 2024, you know, that weighted average market growth rate will be closer to seven than it is to six. Uh, based on the product launches that we have, the acquisitions that we've done, and the um, really the lower scale of DES and CRM across our portfolio. This is a, just a quick breakdown of those markets. We could play in a $55 billion approximately serve market. Uh, this is the average market growth rate by segment of our eight divisions within the company. And through third quarter, which is what we expect of our team, proud to say that seven of our eight businesses have outgrown their market peers through third quarter 2022. So we have pretty simple metrics. The company uh, outgrow our peer group, uh, deliver operating income growth faster than sales growth for leverage, and hire great people and free them up to run. So this is the uh, market growth rates that we have as a company. So this is really difficult to do because running Boston Scientific <clears throat> can be, first of all, a privilege, but it really can be distracted in many different areas. Uh, what we focus on, <clears throat> the center of our focus, is on people and talent and portfolio innovation. You do people and talent to retention and succession and depth and agility and winning spirit of people uh, with a common mission, and you focus on innovation. A lot of other things get figured out. Uh, and this is uh, just a snapshot of our, of our business units as quickly as I can do, but at least so you have the information of our business units and what some of the key innovation drivers are uh, for the next three pages. So I'll try to do this pretty quickly here. Our endoscopy, starting with MedSurge, which is our endoscopy business, urology, and neuromodulation. It's run by Art Butcher. He also runs Asia and uh, China Force and some other corporate functions. But our endoscopy business is a terrific business. It grows accretive to Boston Scientific. Margins very accretive to Boston Scientific. Uh, clear market category leadership in this business. Some exciting new announcements in 2022, none of which have closed yet. Uh, on the acquisition side, we, we signed MITech, uh, different stent capability. 
a Korean-based company. We also uh, acquired, but not signed, but not acquired Apollo End of Surgery to expand us into endoluminal surgery as well as the obesity business uh, with some terrific technology there. Both of those acquisitions we expect to close sometime in the first half of 2023. If you turn into urology, very similar um, characteristics as endoscopy. Clear, global, number one, share leader, uh, very much a global business, accretive to Boston Scientific Growth, accretive to operating income margins, and very strong category leadership. The Luminous Integration, uh, the Israeli-based company that we acquired uh, in 2021, has gone extremely well. And that gives, gives us uh, tremendous capabilities across the different urology segments in stone, prostate, and prosthetic urology. So we'll continue to advance to invest at the high end of the R&D uh, profile for urology and endo, primarily 510K businesses where we do tuck-in M&A, have very strong contracting advantages and global globalization skills. Uh, neuromodulation is a business that's been, uh, the market growth has been not quite as strong as it had been prior to in 2019 through COVID. So we're calling kind of a, a low, to, low to mid single digit um, uh, market growth rate, call it five percentage range for neuromodulation, which consists of pain and brain. Uh, starting with brain, uh, really proud of this business. Started off not in this business eight years ago. Now we're the number one de novo share player uh, in Europe and number two overall given with changeouts and the number two player uh, in the U.S. So just a terrific job, great innovation here, uh, great partnerships with Brain Lab and terrific products to treat uh, Parkinson's, tremors, and other movement disorders. In the pain business, uh, again, number one or number two, depending on whose survey that you look at uh, globally, uh, led by our WaveRider Alpha program, as well as tuck-in uh, acquisitions that we've done in RF and Vertiflex to give doctors, uh, pain doctors, and neurosurgeons a more continuum of uh, portfolio. So this business, um, uh, what, did we show th through third quarter? What did that gross? 3%. Thank you, Lauren. Good save from the bullpen. 3% uh, through third quarter, and we expect uh, increased results in 2023 out of this business. Turning to cardiovascular, our PI business, similar to uh, endo and neuro, strong category leadership in arterial interventional ecology and venous, alluvian ranger, our two PMA products with excellent data, excellent capabilities, and the number one share player in the arterial business globally. Interventional cardiology, uh, a couple of years ago, we talked about this acquisition of BTG. This has gone fantastic with Y90, our cryo product. We just acquired another company called Obsidio last year, which is a gel embolic, which is a very differentiated, which will launch this year. Venus uh, is the segment that lags our growth profile in this business. Uh, of these three segments, Venus makes up about 15% of our sales growth. And we've got some great products with Verathena, but an area that we're improving on with our Devoro acquisition that we made in 2021. Interventional cardiology is really transforming on the right-hand side here. Uh, coronary therapies, as many of you know, are non-DES coronary therapy business. Our, our complex coronary calcium imaging capabilities are significantly greater in size than drug-looting stents, nearly two or three times larger. And that business has a nice growth profile with it. Importantly, we just received approval in Japan for a product called Agent Drug-Coated Balloon for instant stenosis and small vessel disease. So this is a terrific opportunity for us to further differentiate our coronary business with Agent DCB, and we've enrolled and expect approval for Agent DCB in the U.S. in early 2024, which would be potentially up to about a billion-dollar market with greater uh, price capabilities as well as category leadership contracting capabilities. So we think Agent will be a game-changer for this coronary business. Uh, 
Couldn't be more proud and tabby of our structural hard business and what, what we're doing with Accurate. We're going fat, albeit off a smaller base, clearly growing faster than our market competitors in Europe with Accurate Neo2. We will complete enrollment in the first quarter of 2023 of our trial for high risk, medium risk, and low risk. Uh, and then we will seek approval in the U.S., which we believe is a valve that, uh, a superannual valve that's differentiated with its hemodynamics, very low pacemaker rate, and importantly, a platform that we can continue to enhance and improve uh, with great agility with our R&D teams, with excellent repeatability and quality in our manufacturing. So this is a very competitive valve in Europe, and we're putting a lot of attention on this, and we're excited to enter the U.S. market with this. Turning to our last slide, and where we have maybe the most breakthrough transformation uh, for the company, CRM, EP, and Watchman. Um, starting with core CRM, this business has performed very well in 2022 through third quarter. Uh, and you see our, our portfolio with our Emblem SI City, which continues to do quite well globally. HeartLogic and Resonate with the longest lasting batteries, reliability, and excellent global commercial team growing faster than market. When you include our diagnostics business, so we expanded our portfolio to leverage our implantable loop recorder. We acquired Preventus a couple years ago, which gives us uh, MCOT, Holter Monitoring, two-week Holter Monitoring, and combined with our Lux DX, a terrific, vast diagnostics portfolio to help pull through business. You'll see a lot of our focus on clinical trials in the bottom. I won't go through those. Uh, an area that I'm so excited about is in this middle category. Uh, our company in my uh, 10, 11 years here have not been quite frankly, not very good in this business in electrophysiology. Uh, we are in a fantastic, disruptive, transformational position uh, as we speak now. I think this is the best market in MedTech at over $8 billion in revenue, uh, clear double-digit growth, and also new innovation. This is not at all a mature market, and um, we are poised to really do extremely well here. We're the only company uh, in the world that has approval in Europe for a differentiated cryo platform which is approximately almost a billion dollars globally, where there hasn't been any new innovation um, uh, in over a decade. So we're going to disrupt the market with cryo. We're doing extremely well with this product in Japan and in Europe. <clears throat> and that product finishes enrollment uh, in second half of 23 in the U.S. and will be approved. I'm sorry, it'll be approved in the U.S. second half of 23. The product that we're most excited about is PFA uh, with Ferripulse, where we're leading uh, the industry uh, we did about 10,000 cases or so uh, in 2022, primarily in Europe. Uh, the doctor reaction for the safety, number one, uh, the speed and the efficacy potentially of this is something like I've never seen in med tech in my career, uh, the enthusiasm for this. And so we think this PFA will be very, very disruptive to a fast-growing, large global market. And this is one where Boston Scientific is leading in terms of data, We'll be giving our uh, Advent ID, which uh, fully enrolled, we'll be presenting that data in the second half of 2023 and seeking approval. So we're seeing excellent results in Europe, um, whether they be cryo users or point RF users who are adopting and want to adopt to uh, Ferripulse. We also have a full suite of other products I won't have time to go through. And then also in Watchmen, really proud to see just the continued excellence of this platform. We're excited to say that we nicely crossed the $1 billion uh, revenue mark in 2022, which is terrific. And also importantly, we are focusing on leading this category for a long, long time with portfolio innovation through our next-gen steerable sheath, through our next-gen Watchman uh, Flex Pro, which will launch either the end of this year or early 2024. 
as well as VersaCross Connect, which is the uh, capability that we acquire through uh, the acquisition at Bayless. We are leading in clinical trials, and we had the champion trial uh, finish enrollment almost a year faster than we expected. So the champion watchman enrollment happened uh, at, by the, at the end of 2022, which is really impressive, and it shows the confidence and enthusiasm that physicians have. So if you look at, to me, that maybe the two best markets in medtech right now uh, are, I think, our EP, uh, and Watchman clearly is the fastest-growing, sizable uh, market that exceeds a billion dollars and has the potential to be a six billion, five, five or $6 billion market with, with uh, Champion and with Option. Whew, okay. All right, on the M&A front, uh, we've been pretty active here, focusing on tucking ac acquisitions to drive and improve our weighted average market growth rate, and we have an excellent way to integrate acquisitions within the company. Um, in 2021, we had about five acquisitions that were really terrific ones, and I'll hit them all probably, but uh, Bayless, Ferripulse, uh, Preventus, Luminous, and uh, probably others that uh, Lauren will remember, Devoro, sorry. And in 2022, uh, we closed one, which is Obsidio. We signed two that I mentioned in our Doscovy business with MI Tech and Apollo. And we also signed a uh, really strategic partnership uh, in China with Acotech to be approximately a 50 to 60% share owner of that company as a standalone public company to really drive uh, unique capabilities for Boston Scientific and was a terrific market for us in China. But we'll continue to focus on tuck-in M&A as our number one capital allocation uh, priority. We realize interest rates have gone up, our hurdle rates go up, so we're very selective about what we buy. Uh, if we do have excess um, cash, we will use like we have in the past, but not in a significant way for share repurchase. So we think we've really spent your shareholder money wisely uh, to improve our growth rate and, and performance and outlook for the future leverage in our M&A. Similar to globalization, last year through third quarter, uh, third through third quarter 2023, we've grown our emerging markets over 30%, um, which, when, which is terrific. The focus of that is on China. We, China's a complicated, complex place. Uh, there's lots of macro discussions you can have, but we view China as very unique. We'll continue to invest in China. New capabilities we have in China with R&D, uh, with some manufacturing, with joint ventures that we just recently signed with Acotech. So we continue to like this market. And importantly, the proof's in the pudding. We'll grow, you know, through third quarter and for full year, over 20% uh, in China in 2022. And, yeah, there's some tenders and some other things. Uh, but we have a terrific team there, and we will continue to grow double-digit in China and invest there. Lastly, uh, sustainable uh, innovation, a bunch of data on the slide. Really proud of our team's focus on, on, uh, on diversity and inclusion in the company, on, on our um, pay equity, which is almost – almost about 100%, 99.8%, our focus on the environment. We've won, we win many awards in this area, and really, again, it's back to the people. Uh, inspiring our employees, doing the right thing for our communities, doing the right thing for the planet, making uh, Boston Scientific a great place to work where employees are proud to be at. Not all of our employees really care about our stock price. Our employees care about being a company they're proud of. Uh, they want to tell their family and friends about it. They want to, they want to help us recruit. And they want to uh, go the extra mile for the company. We, we really work hard to create a culture where employees really enjoy working and are proud of Boston Scientific. Also, to wrap that up, uh, 20 seconds left here. Uh, threading the needle perfectly here, Lauren. Uh, 20, so for 2022, you know our guidance for the uh, full year. We're going to give those, some of those results, uh, all those results in February. 
and our longer-term goals are very consistent. We want to continue to grow at the high end of our peer group. Uh, we have the portfolio to do that, uh, and we will do that. Uh, we also don't want to listen to some of the noise that you hear. We think you can improve operating income margin. We did it. We will do it in 2022, and we will do it in 2023. Uh, we, our goals will continue to be 50 basis points, annual margin expansion, double-digit EPS growth, and strong peak cash flow. So super proud of the company. I'm a little bit over, I think, but uh, really appreciate your time, and have a great conference. Well, thanks. It's great to see we're in a much better spot for MedTech and Boston Scientific this time versus a year ago, and amazing what it, uh, a year makes here. It looks like global markets are stabilizing and normalizing. Um, We've seen a lot of macro pressures, but at least they've stabilized and look like they could improve in 2023. So would love to get your view of what you see around the world in terms of patient volumes, um, healthcare systems, healthiness, and willingness to pay for medical uh, treatments, and any uh, views on the macro situation as it relates to Boston Scientific. You take a few of those slices, sure. you can jump in, Dan. Absolutely. And by the way, this is Dr. Ken Stein. Uh, we recently announced um, with the retirement of Ian Meredith, uh, Ken is the chief medical officer uh, for Boston Scientific and also focuses, besides that role, on corporate clinical and a lot of emphasis on our EP and CRM portfolio. So, Dr. Stein. Um, just a, maybe a couple areas, and, and Dan can mention, on the demand side, uh, you know, through the third quarter, which is going to say a lot, I guess, today, uh, we saw fairly cons pretty good demand despite the um, nursing shortage uh, in the U.S. Uh, as you saw, our growth rates through third quarter were year-to-date about 9% organic growth. And then um, you see pockets of uh, impact of COVID still. We have seen uh, pockets of, uh, of continued bumpiness in Japan. And obviously, as we look at 2023, we expect some lumpiness uh, in China, especially in the first quarter here. You know, based on what we're seeing there. But uh, even given that, we have a lot of confidence that our China team, just like they have it every year, will drive double-digit double uh, organic growth uh, in China. So we expect some COVID impact in some of the Asian companies. Uh, we think the hospitals do a remarkable job despite the nursing shortage. So we think volume demand is pretty good. Um, as you know, many of our patient products uh, move to an outpatient uh, facility or ambulatory surgery centers. That's a good product mix. Uh, tailwind for Boston Scientific. Hospital administrators want to get patients obviously fixed, but in and out of the hospital. So our pro portfolio being an interventional medicine business uh, where we can get, you can have a left atrial appendage closure done in your heart and be home five hours later is pretty remarkable. And so I think that our, our portfolio and those trends really point to uh, what the healthcare system wants and needs uh, going forward. Uh, Dan, if you want to touch on some of the macro uh, inflationary... Sure. I would just, say, I would just uh, reiterate what you said. I mean, overall, uh, to summarize, I think it's a very supportive backdrop for revenue growth. You saw, you saw that in our results through the third quarter uh, at the 9% and obviously the, the full-year guidance at 9%. So consistent performance 
through, uh, uh, through last year with a supportive backdrop. The inflationary headwinds, they're real. Uh, we've documented them as $375 million of headwinds versus where we were in 2019, largely uh, in the gross margin area. But we're, we're trying to power through that as a company and really uh, with, a, with a grit and a winning spirit to, to say, you know, we were 25.3% operating margin in 2021. We want to grow that. We want to go north from there from 25.3. Our guidance was approximately 26%. Uh, that also gets us back to pre-COVID levels if we were to, uh, to do that. So it's, uh, it's really a, a, you know, not looking at the inflation uh, environment as an excuse, but really trying to drive through it and work through the entire uh, elements of the P&L to try, try and offset it. And that's the goal. So. Pre-COVID, your long-term goals were actually what you were delivering. Is there any reason that, and I look at sell-side numbers for 2023, and it's not far off of your long-term goals. Is there any reason 2023 and beyond couldn't be a return to your historical performance? No, I mean, that's the, uh, uh, the, the numbers that Mike showed the slides. It's still up on the screen here. I'm not sure if it's up for the folks on the webcast. But uh, those have been our long-term goals. Uh, and really, the only thing that interrupt, interrupted that was, uh, was COVID uh, in 20 and 21. Uh, so the, our goal as we start off each year is what you see there, to grow at a high-end peer group, expand operating margins, approximately 50 basis points, deliver uh, double-digit uh, adjusted earnings per share growth, and strong cash flow. So that's, uh, those are tried and true goals that, as you said, I mean, we had a very good track record of, uh, of achieving those uh, pre-COVID, look to get back into that uh, routine. What I find really impressive about Boston Scientific is you're in some of the best med tech and markets. You're number one or two in most of them. And despite being in these very competitive, high-growth markets, you're also your R&D page and your productivity and your, your acquisition track record um, continues to allow for top-end innovation. So how do you balance the need for growth in these very difficult markets and being able to still provide the R&D growth engine while growing margins? It's not an easy thing. It's not, but it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a fun kind of a Rubik's Cube. That's what you have. pay us for. What's that? That's, that's what they pay. I, I, that, I was going to say that. <laughs> it's, like, it's like doing sit-ups. They're not fun at all. Exactly. You've got to do it. <laughs> uh, but, but, but there is a fun element. Of it. So, so we have, we have uh, different uh, pods and, and areas to be able to fuel the top line, right? Uh, we have our venture capital portfolio, which, which spawns uh, predictable M&A over time. We have the more opportunistic uh, types of M&A, and then we have internal R&D. And so we, we look at that, uh, that landscape and we place bets uh, very intentionally across that, uh, that continuum to fuel growth. And, and the slide that Mike showed uh, that he said he was most proud of, I would, I would add to that, uh, I think I am as well, is increasing the weighted average market growth rate of the company over time. And that's been a, it's been a 10-year journey, but it's, it's great to look back and see something that was minus one, now be six, and look forward and say, you know what, that could be closer to six to seven. And that's, that's what you do every day, every month, every week, uh, you know, every, every year is just continue to get into faster growth markets and, uh, and innovate. And but that is the hardest part of the job, I would say, is this, this portfolio prioritization and what to delay, what to pour more fuel on, uh, what to acquire, how you may have to absorb some of the dilution with that. So that is the trickiest thing. But we work together as a global team on that. So we have global business presidents that are manacle about growing faster than markets and delivering great uh, patient care, but also with the Boston Scientific hat on. So we work as a team to drive prioritization, uh, whether it's tuck-in M&A or large PMA programs or 510K, and um, I think we do it pretty well. 
And, and I mean, the one, yeah, I mean, yes, it's hard work, but, you know, I mean, it's not like we've solved all the problems there are for patients in cardiovascular disease or interventional oncology or, or neuromodulation. I mean, there are some major unmet medical needs right now, and that's why, again, something like Watchman, preventing stroke in patients otherwise unprotected, Farapulse, which we expect will revolutionize ablation for atrial fibrillation, Therosphere with, 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 with Y90 for interventional oncology. And, and so, yeah, it's hard work, right? But there are major benefits we can bring to patients and, and benefits then that will be rewarded to shareholders in the company. So you talk about Farapulse revolutionizing atrial fibrillation ablation. It's probably the most anticipated data set we'll see in medical devices this year. So maybe you could put a finer point on what revolutionizing means. Is it better efficacy, better safety, and how does that pull through the entire portfolio of products for Boston Scientific, if it is as successful as that? Yeah, thanks, Robbie. I mean, I think the key here with Farapulse is, and, and honestly, I mean, maybe not just this year. I mean, 20, 30 years I've been doing electrophysiology. This is the single most exciting thing that I've seen in the field, and, and I think any electrophysiologist you talk to will agree with that. And you know, pulse field ablation, with Farapulse brings three promises, right? The promise of greater safety for patients, and, and, and safety trumps everything when you're doing elective procedures, but also the promise of greater efficiency, so, so faster procedures. That's good for the system. We, we, we talked about shortages of nursing, et cetera, but it's also great for patients. You know, the, the less time you're undergoing a procedure, the better off you are. Uh, and, and then also, we hope to be able to show greater procedural efficacy with it. And, you know, it's, it is almost never the case that you get all three of those things with one product. I think the one key point, though, that I really want to emphasize as we talk about Farapulse and pulse field ablation is that not all pulse field ablation is equal, all right, and that there are major differences in the platforms, differences in terms of catheter design, differences in terms of waveform that's used, to ablate tissue, and differences in terms of the recipe, the, 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 the dosing strategy. And, and you know, it's, it's in the development of all three of those areas that we think puts Farapulse in front of everyone else who's trying to do this. There's two large competitors in atrial fibrillation that have a dominant position. Do you think a disruptive catheter will be able to break in and make Boston Scientific number three or two or one player? alone, bringing through the rest of the portfolio? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's our anticipation, right? Uh, you know, when, when you have a procedure that's safer, when you have a procedure that's faster, and when you have a procedure that is at least as efficient, right, then for those arrhythmias that can be targeted with the Farapulse system, you know, I don't see in the long run why anyone would ever use anything else. Mike, you cited the other uh, product you're most excited about is Watchmen, and that's a billion dollars, still growing strong double digits. You're growing geographically. We're going to have indication expansion probably in the next four, three, four years or so. Yep. So how should investors think about the reality of the near term to midterm? Does this still have legs to be a strong double-digit growth product for Boston Scientific for the foreseeable future? Yeah, we believe so. This through third quarter grew roughly 25% uh, this year. For the, uh, Dr. Stein can comment, I believe for the current indication of Watchmen, we're still like maybe 8 to 9% penetrated in the U.S., so there's plenty of uh, room to grow in the, globally 
under the current indication. Uh, the champion enrollment that just finished in uh, 22, uh, as I mentioned, is significantly faster than we thought. Uh, so we think the market has the opportunity to grow, you know, to five to six billion dollar markets uh, over time if those trials prove out to be uh, positive. But even in the current indication, we're, we're still high single digit uh, utilization. And we have uh, just a, a terrific product that doctors are very comfortable with. It's very safe. Um, they have great results. Their referring cardiologists or neurologists or GI doctors have had great results, so they're demanding watchmen. Uh, we do have a competitor in the market, but we think with the uh, install base we have, the safety profile, the physician confidence, and the plans that we have for steerable sheath and others will continue to make this a double-digit uh, growth driver. If I rewind a year and a half ago, there was a lot of angst about the new competitor coming in in 2021. Fast forward to today, and we've seen your results uh, look really strong over the past year. So are you seeing that having more feet on the street is actually helping drive awareness um, for LAA? I think it's, uh, Dr. Stein, keep a comment if you want. I think there's a, few, there's a lot of parallel threads that make us, uh, that makes us very successful for Boston Scientific. One is the, the product itself and the safety profile that doctors see and the ease of use that physicians feel uh, with Watchman Fleck is very, very difficult to compete against. So then when you try another product, it doesn't feel the same. So I think just the safety profile, the clinical results, the confidence they have with our team in the lab with them, uh, what we do to help those physicians uh, educate their referring uh, physician base to help grow the market. They know we're investing in clinical science. They know we're investing in next-gen technology. So we really you tie all that together. And, yeah, we have a competitor, and, and uh, you know, they're going to gain some share. But we really like our leadership position uh, for the future here. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, I mean, it gets back to what we were talking about with Farapulse, right? I mean, what, what drives utilization? You know, safety, efficiency, efficacy. And if you look at the results of uh, the Watchman Flex clinical trial, and there's just no doubt but that this is industry-leading in terms of safety, in terms of efficiency, and in terms of efficacy. Uh, you know, one thing I'd, I'd point to, and Mike, Mike mentioned it during the prepared comments, you know, in spite of all the challenges of COVID, we enrolled the champion trial a full year ahead of our expectation going in. And I think that, that just says something about the interest, enthusiasm, excitement that folks, you know, in practice have, again, about the important need that there is for an alternative to long-term oral anticoagulation. So while cardio usually gets a lot of the attention, just given the number of clinical trials there, your med surge business is actually about half of Boston Scientific been very strong, consistent, close to high single-digit growth businesses for you. Maybe just spend a minute on what is driving such a high growth rate and what allows Boston Scientific to retain its leading position there? Yeah, so both endo and, and urology, I'll speak to those two first. I can't lump them together, but uh, <clears throat> so they're both in markets that grow, you know, 6 to 7%. So the nice growth markets, uh, we consistently grow faster than the market group uh, in those areas. And the common denominator between those, start off with endo, is, is their breadth of their portfolio is very unique in the endoscopy business. Um, and then we continue to innovate and to create new adjacencies. Uh, you've, you've seen us do that with uh, single-use imaging. You've seen us do that with Spyglass. You've seen us do with that product called Axios. And now we expect to continue to lead in a really emerging field called endoluminal surgery, which is quite popular in Japan and gaining traction in, uh, in Europe and the U.S. We've, that'll be aided by two of the acquisitions that we signed but haven't closed, as well as uh, augmented by our organic portfolio. So it's 
the breadth of our portfolio, the innovation within that portfolio, uh, the globalization that we have, and the contracting, the way we partner with our customers, given the breadth and the uniqueness of the portfolio, uh, it helps sometimes to enable uh, you know, strong share uh, commitments and, uh, and fair pricing economics. And you really have those same exact traits uh, in urology, although a completely different industry, uh, with strong category leadership, the widest portfolio uh, to treat stone, prostate, um, and, uh, and really a, a larger globalization opportunity within urology because endo is very much almost a 50-50 U.S. outside the U.S., whereas our endo business is maybe 75-25. So you're seeing us invest more uh, in the international markets in urology. And the acquisitions that we've done in urology have really transformed that business uh, with Luminous and um, what's the other one we did a few years ago? Uh, Augmentix. Yeah, Augmentix. Yeah. I want to maybe wrap up with M&A and the environment for M&A. It's been a very, you've been a very prolific acquirer of businesses, some small, some medium, not a whole lot of large. Um, what's the, the current environment like and the appetite for sellers here, especially with rising interest rates and your ability to, to continue to, to find attractive targets at reasonable valuations? I, I think credit to our BD team. If you look over the last uh, two years and look at the different deals we've done, uh, the entire world is our landscape. Sometimes people look at a very small slice of it and say, you know, what are valuations like, right? Well, we, we bought a, a private company in Canada. We bought a, a uh, in Bayless. We bought a company from a, uh, a private equity firm in China and in, uh, in Luminous. Uh, uh, we've done uh, uh, deals in, in Korea and uh, in China. Again, they haven't, haven't closed yet, uh, and, and investment deals. But the, the creativity of looking at the entire world as your, uh, as your canvas, so to speak, uh, it, it's it's a very healthy pipeline. It really is. And what's nice, again, if you look back over, uh, you know, whether it's one year, two years, five years, it's across the whole category of the businesses that we have. Uh, it's not just, you know, in cardiology or in electrophysiology, the two, two endo deals uh, in, in 2022. So it's a very healthy uh, and robust pipeline, and, and I would look, us to look for us to continue to... Uh, uh, to be active. It's our number one uh, capital allocation priority, as Mike mentioned, and uh, I'd look for us to continue it. We often don't get a look into what's inside the venture portfolio. Any any kind of high-level thoughts you could give us on how many are potentially near-term acquisition targets or any color on the mix of the venture portfolio? At any point in time, we have uh, probably 35 to 40 investments uh, in the VC portfolio. You'll see some years where there's less uh, you know, shoots that come up from that uh, in terms of uh, seeds, uh, which was probably more of 2022. There wasn't a lot of activity. I think as you go through, there is a regular drumbeat and a regular cadence. If you have 35 or 40 companies, where each year you're going to have some that are going to be uh, successful and, and looking to, uh, to exit. So I, I would look over the next few years and say that will continue to provide us opportunities for, uh, for thoughtful M&A. doesn't mean we'll do them all, but it is really nice to be a part of those uh, those acquisitions, because you're a thoughtful acquirer, you've been a part of the company, you likely would have had a board seat. It's just a very, uh, a very thoughtful way to acquire a company. And you've had great success. Well, great. We're out of time. I want to thank you thank for you. joining, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Robbie. Appreciate it.